Good morning and welcome to WSAU Feedback. I'm Meg Ellison. Thanks for joining me this morning. Yep, just like I said yesterday, don't let the sun deceive you. It's freezing outside. If you haven't heard the weather forecast, it's not going to get any better today. It's going to be chilly. So the best place to be is indoors listening to this program. And I encourage you to stay tuned because my guest this morning, investigative journalist from Wisconsin right now, Jessica McBride is joining me. Jessica, how are you? I'm cold as well down here in Oconomowoc. Yeah, I think so. I think it's supposed to warm up um, tomorrow, though, which is is uh, encouraging because I'm going to be down in Madison helping my son move. Okay, there I've said it on on air, but yes, it's uh, it's it's got to be warmer than today. So it better. I be. hope so. Yeah. I hope so because this is now the stretch of winter where I'm sort of done with it. You know, right. I like a white Christmas. I like to ski once or twice, uh, but now I'm kind of done with it. Yeah, I like this the uh, the satisfaction of a job well done on the driveway shoveling, but I'm past that too. I'm done. I'm 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 right there with you. So speaking of not done yet, <laughs> we are we are facing a very critical state supreme court race and uh, I'm doing everything I can to get people to realize how important this is and w- what they need to do to assure a victory and I had, as I was sharing with you off air, which our conversations are even more fun off air, but um, I was saying to Matt, I said, you know, what what Republicans do very well during uh, the election cycle or during the campaign season is they appeal to the intellect of their base or they appeal to the intellect of the voter, whereas the Democrats appeal to the emotions of the voters. And that's my concern in this upcoming election. And I'm not saying we... We um, compromise our principles, but we need to figure out how we can also appeal to the emotions of the voters in this upcoming election. Well, and what I was saying to you off the air before we came on is, you know, I think what's different about this state Supreme Court race is that Janet Protasiewicz, you know, the liberal who's expected to, you know, get through on that side, um, is running a state Supreme Court race like she's running for governor or she's running for U.S. Senate or she's running for the legislature. Like historically, liberals didn't run state Supreme Court races this way. They had a sense of ethics and they had a sense of decorum. And they realized that these are actually nonpartisan races and that the judicial code of ethics says that judges are not supposed to prejudge any issue that could come before the court. Janet has just thrown that completely out the window. And you're right, she's going for ginning up the emotions of her base. Mm-hmm. And I think she's running a strategy um, that's geared toward donors, liberal donors from, you know, California, celebrity donors, people like this. A big change that we don't talk about enough is that now, these days, and we saw this play out in November. Um, if people can give money, you know, say a celebrity from Los Angeles can give money to the state party, and this works on the right as well, and they can turn around, they can funnel it to candidates. And and, and this is why um, conservatives were outspent, you know, in November. I mean, it was also because Tim Michaels didn't, you know, put in the money that he said he was going to put in of his own fortune. Uh, but Tony Evers put this mechanism I'm describing on steroids. So I think Janet has decided, you know, I'm going to just go out there on abortion. I'm going to go out there on 
legislative redistricting. I'm going to go out there and act 10 and I'm just going to gin everyone up emotionally and try to get a lot of celebrity donations. It's actually disgraceful, Meg, the well, way she's running this race. I agree. I agree. And and again, this is an insult to our intellects. However, for the average low information voter, they don't know anything different. That's the sad yeah. part. Right. And she's playing the themes that, you know, worked for Democrats in this purple state in November, like abortion. Um, but I'll 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 put some emotion into the state Supreme Court race. I think I can gin up an emotional re- response in your audience. And and the emotion I would go for, Meg, is actually fear. I'm <laughs> sorry to say, but right. um, uh, we should fear what would happen to this state if Jennifer DeSewich or Everett Mitchell, the two liberals, get through in April. If liberals take outright control of this court, I mean, all bets are off. I mean, anything you care about as a conservative will be in peril. And I mentioned some of them. I'll say it again. She has outright said Act 10. Scott Walker's Act 10 was unconstitutional. Someone will bring a new case to, to put that before a new liberal court. They'll unravel Act 10. Um, the 1849 abortion law, you know, they'll invalidate that. And, and then what happens? Because the legislature won't be able to get something quasi-reasonable through Evers. So it'll just revert back to the way it was before Roe v. Wade was overturned, I believe. Um, redistricting? Let's talk about that. I mean, that is how we got control of the state legislature, which is sort of the only thing conservatives have right now to block the agenda of Tony Evers. But it's more serious than that. I, I was speaking to a political observer who said if they you know, rewrite the maps, a new liberal court rewrites the maps, they, they could very well say, Madison in the congressional district out in La Crosse of Derek Van Orden, the conservative Navy SEAL who just won resoundingly out there, flipping a Democratic district that had been held by Ron Kine for over 20 years. Well, they'll stick Madison in that and mess with the district boundaries, and then Derek Van Orden won't be able to win re-election. They'll do the same thing to Congressman Brian Stile. So yeah, I guess I guess the emotion I'm going for is fear because there's so much at stake in this election. Well, and I guess the million-dollar question, literally, because that's how much Janet Protasewicz has has raised over a million or close to a million dollars. Most out, most uh, the most out-of-state donations, I believe, as well. But I, I, I really think that we have to be fearful, and it's it, it's a great thing to use. But again, we have to be fearful of the the voter that doesn't that doesn't first of all that doesn't even know that they should be voting on not only February 21st but April 4th and then secondly we we should be fearful of the voter that who is going to be motivated by the campaign of Janet Protasewicz yeah i i'm fearful that the democrats have a pretty sophisticated turnout machine especially in a very low turnout february primary and, you know, I, I don't think that Republicans do. And I've been speaking to some political insiders who said, for example, they think one problem with Tim Michaels was that he was living in 2004 when he last ran, you know, for U.S. Senate. And he had this sort of mistaken belief that the state party had this mythical data operation, you know, that was going to come in and save the day when it comes to turnout. And that didn't happen because it doesn't exist anymore. And, you know, our friend Brian Schimming is the new chair of the state 
Republican Party. And I, I think the world of Brian, I think he's a great choice for that. I know he gets these issues. He's going to try to rebuild that. Um, he's got the right instincts and I think he will get the job done, but that's going to take some time. And I don't think that's going to happen by, you know, February or April. And, you know, I'm worried about the fact we don't have a very sophisticated data, you know, collection operation at the state party and turnout machine game. And they're rebuilding their fundraising operation too. I mean, I'll say it again. Our side keeps getting obliterated in, in the money game. Mm-hmm. And you just can't get outspent. You know, I saw in the attorney general's race some figures where, you know, Eric Tony, wonderful candidate, but he got outspent like five to one. Oh, my gosh. Really? You, you just can't win with those kinds of numbers. And so, you know, I, again, I'm hopeful for the future because of Brian. I know he gets all of this, but I'm worried about February. So, I mean, what your listeners can do is use that as motivation. I mean, again, will be very low turnout. It's February 21st, by the way, the primary. Mm-hmm. And people need to not only vote, but get their friends and neighbors to go out and vote. And my fear all along has been that, you know, people don't really vote a lot of times in, you know, dead of the winter primaries. And they, they think, well, I'll come out in April and vote then. Well, too guess late. what? Yeah, too late. You might not be able to vote for a conservative in April if, you know, because it's possible. I don't think it's likely, but it's actually possible the two liberals could get through because it's nonpartisan. This is not like, you know, a primary where one conservative will, will get through for sure. It's not like Rebecca Clayfish and versus Tim Michaels. It's actually, you know, a game where there's four candidates and the top two get through of whatever party, the top two vote getters. So, um, you know, people need to understand the urgency of February 21st. Yeah, well, and as I said to Matt Kittle, I said, you know, I, I have been referring to uh, Judge Doro and former Justice Kelly as the conservative candidates. I would actually like to just call them the, the only two that are the judicial candidates because the other two aren't worthy of that title. And I think that's that's the distinction that I'm going to start to make with regard to the candidates that are running. And again, what we also need to do is is appeal to the, well, the voter that isn't going to necessarily be engaged and plugged in. I mean, maybe that's not traditionally who votes in these uh, spring elections, but we may need those voters in order to prevail, in order to beat the uh, the money machine known as Janet Protasewicz. And she's just awful. I mean, I just going to say, she's an awful candidate. Ugh. And, and you know, uh, so she has outright said that redistricting maps were quote unquote rigged. Mm-hmm. Just no, no sense of judicial ethics whatsoever. She just doesn't care. And, and then she's tried to defend herself by saying, well, I'm not prejudging how I would rule on such a case. I'm just saying what my values are. No, you're, you're saying the maps were rigged and that, and she also said Act 10 was unconstitutional. To me, those are, are judgments of fact, right? Like that's not just a value judgment. That's her saying in this specific case, if it comes before me, it's unconstitutional. That sounds to me like a legal judgment. Um, it's disgraceful. The, the media, of course, are giving her a pass on this. Um, there was one story I saw, though, where a top judicial ethics expert said she's so over the line on this that she may have to recuse herself from any Supreme Court case on redistricting maps due to her public comments on that topic. But, you know, she'll get to decide that for herself. So guess what? She's just going to refuse to do it. Of course. You know, I honestly hope someone files a complaint against her with the judicial ethics. 
I will say it, it, it actually was out on Wiz Politics yesterday, late yesterday. Oh, I missed so that. So this is a, a Barron County resident, citizen and GOP supporter, filed the complaint yesterday asserting that she has announced how she will rule on issues that will likely come before the Supreme Court. Good, so, good. Yes, and, and I, I think, actually, I believe that this might have some teeth if there's additional backing from our state legislature. So I'm hoping that maybe someone from our legislature might speak out about this as well, or uh, somebody's. I think it would be more effective if, if I mean, because how, how much press has this gotten if, if, you know, in fact, you haven't even heard of it yet because you're usually on right. top of everything. So, I mean, this <laughs> I was is... teaching all day. Yeah. Well, My Mondays are really crazy. I teach journalism at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee and was with students all day. So that one I, I, I miss. But I'm going to look that up. I think it's really important and we should do a story on that for Wisconsin right now yeah, because well, I, I'm sure the rest of the media will, will bury that. As well, yes. as can. And this is someone from Barron County way up here. So that's probably right. part of the reason why it hasn't made the news cycle. But I know uh, Matt Kittle also has a piece on it too. So you can take a look right. at it. But yes, I think, I think it's something that we need to bring up. But again, I have to say, um, of course, it's not lost on those of us who, uh, those of us who uh, intellectually understand how important and how critical this race is. But then also for those that aren't as plugged in as we are, we need to make it clear in some way. And just as you've demonstrated or just as you've illuminated, fear is perhaps what we need. I mean, hey, the Democrats do that all the time. They're, the right. Republicans are going to push grandma over the cliff. I mean, let's let, let's let's use a, let's borrow a little bit of their tactics to to try to prevail in this upcoming well, election. I believe that conservative positions are logically sound, is in most cases, and so usually what the left has is emotion, right? You know, you you make you know a, a legitimate point about something, and they run around and say you're a racist oh, you yeah. know, without grounds and things like that. You know, that's how. They operate. That's sort of all they've got is, you know, emotion and name calling in a lot of cases. And I think that's to obscure the fact that actually like our positions on most of the issues are are sounder, especially on, you know, fiscal issues, for example. And so they're running around obscuring that. Um, I guess when when it comes to the Supreme Court race, though, and the conservative candidates, you know, what I'm hoping they do is not bloody each other up. Mm -hmm. And so far, we haven't seen nasty ad wars. Now, that would be the worst case scenario that I think you'd see it, you know, more likely people think coming from the Kelly side than the Doro side. But if we see, you know, Dan Kelly ads trashing Jennifer Doro or, or something, that would be very, very, very bad. So if anyone on that team or on Doro's team is listening to this show, I would urge them, please keep your powder dry. Nobody wants a bloody, ugly primary on our side. Um, the other issue, though, is just sort of smear campaigns behind the scenes. And we're seeing some of that going on. And I'll tell your listeners, like, we've been getting some of that stuff from the very beginning here on the right. And that's unfortunate. You know, I'd like to see them all run on on their judicial records, you know, run on that, run on judicial decorum. I, I also am hoping that our side, well, I mean, I think we know where Dan Kelly stands on all the issues because he was on the court before. You know, he has writings that make it very, very clear. But I would like to see Jennifer Doro's team position her as somebody above politics, right? Like, I, I, I actually would like to see them sort of capitalize 
on her, you know, sort of the, the goodwill that she earned uh, through the Daryl Brooks trial. And I'd like them to run her as somebody, you know, like a chief judge. She's a chief judge from down in southeastern Wisconsin and runner is that runner above the partisan, the chief partisan process. And lately, though, I think because there, you know, there is another candidate on the right, they've been having her come out on abortion and just sort of say what she believes about Roe v. Wade and things like that. I want to be really blunt. Like, I, I didn't understand that strategy because, um, you know, I, I guess I think it's a mistake on such an incendiary issue to have her define herself in a way that the left can throw right back at her in, in a bunch of ads in April if she gets through the primary. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of my take on that. And I'm as pro-life as they come. But I also recognize we're, we're a purple state. Um, you know, the polls don't show that that issue favors our side particularly. And I guess I'd run as a little bit of a stealth candidate on it if I were advising her. I wouldn't come out and say, you know, I, 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 I'm glad Roe v. Wade was overturned or something. I mean, because the, the left wants to make this state Supreme Court race about abortion. Oh, yes. Like, pure and simple. They're giddy if the, our candidates come out and say things like that. That's just the practical reality of our state right now. I know that the, the Republicans in the legislature are trying to shift the narrative on abortion, and I applaud them for that. Like, for example, they're trying to expose the fact that Tony Evers, you know, will veto any exceptions that they try to bake into the 1849 law. You know, I don't know if a lot of your listeners know that, but exceptions for rape, exceptions for incest, like Republicans in the legislature have tried to put that forward to, like, amend 1849 to include that, and Tony Evers won't sign it. Uh, so why is that not the narrative, right? But he won't sign it because he's banking on a liberal winning in April in, on the on the state Supreme Court. Then the left will have outright control of the court, and he's banking on them finding 1849, you know, to be to throw that out. And then you know the legislature won't be able to do anything about it because he'll veto anything they try to do. So, I mean, this is I think you know what's going on really behind the scenes and the way I'm kind of looking at things. And I, I spent a lot of time looking at how the left is positioning. You can kind of see their playbook and what they're going to try to do. And that's that's to go right down the abortion path. Well, yeah. And and I mean, and, and it's going to be, as you said, Tony Evers, it's all or nothing. And that's how the Democrats are, are, are positioning themselves. It's going to be all or nothing. And I mean, even just observing his, his uh, comments at the State of the State, I I think he's just positioning himself for with with the with the hopes that uh, they're going to have a victory on the state supreme court, and that's how they will get their agenda passed is through the state supreme court. Yeah, because they can't get it through the legislature, right? So, right, they're going to weaponize the state supreme court. Now, Tony Evers' state of the state, I think, was also very notable for the fact that he's just trying to wildly spend piles of money that right. you know, we shouldn't be spending. Um, that That's what I took out of that address. It was basically just a big, you know, like he's standing in a cash machine with money swirling around grabbing anything he can get, I guess. Right. Well, that's... Um, but, you know, elections have consequences. And, you know, I just think, can you imagine if we had a conservative governor right now? Oh, my gosh. Well, and... We, we're out of time to, to, to go on about that, but I, I think you and I see eye to eye on this as well, and, and it's an unfortunate uh, result of, I think, 
infighting within the Republican Party that got us four more years of Tony Evers. That's my well, opinion. Well, and, anyway. and Tim Michaels, you know, failure to spend what needed to be spent. Like he promised to spend all of this money of his personal wealth, and then he ended up spending more money in the primary to take out Rebecca Clayfish, a fellow conservative, than he spent to take out Tony Evers. Yeah. Not to mention that he went dark on the air for, you know, for basically the whole general election till the tail end in Dane County. Where, where he then got obliterated. There were, and, and he held banker's hours and barely like showed up on the campaign trail and things like that. It's Honestly, it, you have to really look back and question what was going on there. There were so many failures of that campaign that, that helped contribute to getting us Tony Evers. Ugh. And it's frustrating, but all we can do now is look ahead, right? We can move yeah. forward, and the state Supreme Court race, we cannot lose that one. That is the one that we just can't lose. Right, and apply what we learned in this last loss to a victory in February as well as in April. Well, hey, I'm looking at the clock. We're running late. Jessica McBride, always a delight to talk with you. Thank you so much for your time. Keep up the great work. WisconsinRightNow.com. And you can get emails and just go out to their site. There's true investigative journalism going on there. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Got to roll to a break. And then right into the 830 news, followed by the second half of feedback and your calls. 715-845-2155.